you always have to take a learning from everything you do. And I think that is what helps you find what you're passionate about. Hey guys, welcome to Active Ingredient, the podcast. I'm your host, Sophie Wheel, and I'll be taking a deep dive into why people do what they do and what it is that drives them. I believe every single person has an active ingredient to them, aka a purpose, and all we have to do is uncover what that is and activate it. I'm looking at people across the board with fancy titles like editors and chiefs, founders and CEOs, to under the radar activists who are changing the world one person at a time. I want to get to the bottom of how they discovered their passion, how they channel their talent consistently, and ultimately how their active ingredient is making the world a better place. I'm so excited for this week's episode with Sarah Levy. Sarah is the founder and CEO of Y7 Yoga, a sweat dripping, beat bumping, candlelit yoga practice that has an insane cult following, me included. In today's episode, we talk about how Sarah actually used to hate yoga and felt that there was no place that met her needs. She wanted a dark, no mirror space where she could flow to hip hop instead of traditional yoga music and feel a true sense of community. The itch for a place like this led her to open a Y7 pop-up in 2013 as a side hustle while still working a full-time job in fashion. Fast forward to today, Sarah has been on the cover of Inc. Magazine where Y7 was ranked as one of the fastest growing fitness companies. She now has 13 locations and she and the company continues to grow and take over. We talk about the pros and cons about starting a company with her husband, how she managed working a full-time job while also building Y7, how consistency is the name of the game, and her hope for Y7's future. With that, welcome to Active Ingredients, Sarah. All right, so I am here with Sarah Levy, the founder and CEO of Y7 Studios. Hello. Thanks so much for being on the podcast. Thank you for having me. Um, I'm so excited to be having this conversation because I feel like I've had kind of like a front row seat to the success of Y7. Um, so I've known Sarah for many years now. I, I would say five years? Yeah. Four or five years? Four or five years. So yeah. when I met Sarah, Y7 was at a very different place. <laughs> I think that you had three studios. Mm-hmm. Um, so it's been really cool to kind of just like see the company explode to what it is today and like, and you just like you as a brand, like as an entrepreneur and kind of like a fitness personality, like you've really just kind of scaled. So kind of want to take it back all the way to the beginning. Where are you from? Oh, oh, that's really far. I was like thinking like six years ago. I was like, oh, No, wow. like before we even get oh. into Y7, I want to um, know where you're from. I grew up in Bloomfield Hills, Michigan. So how did you even think to move to New York? Like when did you have like someone in your family that moved here? No. Did you intern here? I, so when I went to college, um, I like I went to – so I went to Wisconsin, um, University of Wisconsin in Madison. And a lot of my friends were from the East and the West Coast. And um, everyone was interning in New York after our freshman year. But and I wanted didn't. to go too. No. <laughs> so I did. I did. So and moved. I fell in love with it. And like – it just, for me, New York is like the epicenter of everything. And I love the energy and I, I just like, I love the city. 
So wait, so you moved here without having been here before? Well, I was here for like a summer, but that okay. was it. Oh my God, amazing. So after college, I I was home for like six months. So I didn't know what I wanted to do. Yeah. And I kind of toyed around the idea of like Chicago, LA, like my best friend from college moved to LA for a yeah. little bit. And I was like, I don't know where I want to go. And then I like came out to New York for like a week to um, visit friends. I was like, this is it. So did you um, did you get a job while you were in Michigan and apply? Like how how did you moving here kind of work out? Yeah, so I was working. Um, I was kind of like a, I was working for this woman, Sarah, um, and she had her own in Michigan. Ki- in Michigan. Okay. Yeah, she had her own kind of little private label um, clothing business that she was like working on. Mm-hmm. Uh, so I worked for her and was just kind of figuring out what I wanted to do. I was living at home. Really, really cool of me. <laughs> um, super successful. It's only six um, months that's, that's better than yeah. most millennials. <laughs> and um, and then yeah, I started applying to jobs in New York. I came out for like a week or two and got a job and moved. You got a job in those two weeks. Like yeah. you just started applying. Yeah, rapidly. I mean, I got a retail job. Okay, so that and so that was in fashion. Yes. So you worked in retail and then you worked. I corporate. worked in retail and then. I worked for this company called 45 RPM. Mm-hmm. Um, it's like this Japanese brand. I don't really know. I mean, that's really what <laughs> it was. But they basically, to them? I didn't. I just like applied for everything. Okay. I was just like, I have to get out. Cast um, a white net. Yes. <laughs> huge net. Um, and so I did that. And then I only, I really only worked there for like three months. And then I started working for an experiential marketing company called Brandwich. And basically, we sold like branded sandwich paper to delis. And is that like, like an in demand? It was. Service? It was like very new at the time. You know, when you go to a deli and you get like your yeah. baked egg and cheese and it's wrapped in like whatever, just like the white paper. Yeah. So, what we did was brand the paper. And then we had actually won the craft campaign for when they were doing all the flavored mayonnaise. Wow. Do you remember that? No. It was like chipotle, garlic, and herb. It was, I don't think it's around anymore. And I actually don't like mayonnaise. So, like, <laughs> I don't know anything about wow, it. You and I are different people. I can put mayonnaise on literally Ugh, everything. No, thank you. <laughs> um, no, it's just not for me. Um, and then I worked there for like six months and then I transitioned back to fashion, like okay. doing account stuff. And, um, so I, I guess for- like, I mean, and I always like have this conversation because I feel like it's insane that like at the age of 17 or whatever, that they're asking you to decide like what it is that you're supposed to be doing forever. Like, uh, how did you even, how, how did you even have like that first inkling into fashion while you were in college? So I, so my major in college was consumer science. Mm-hmm. And which was really interesting because all of our core classes were out of the business school and then kind of all of our electives mm-hmm. were like marketing, um, kind of like brand science stuff. Yeah. Um, so really consumer driven. Um, and then there was kind of two paths you could take to that. And there was like a focus on retail wholesale or a focus on like finance. So I went retail wholesale. Uh-huh. Um, and Wisconsin's a great school for that just because um, Kohl's. Yeah. is headquartered there yeah. so they kind of um sponsor the whole fashion like program and it's really well funded really really smart like professors mm-hmm. um and super interesting and really like engaging so you kind of got to do you know look at real like consumer yeah. reports and kind of understand like we did this whole thing on which i still think is very interesting on like aldi i don't know what it's is. like a grocery store and basically it's kind of it's kind of like trader joe's mm. um in the way that, like, they, it's all their, like, own brand and it's really affordable. Got it. Uh, so literally but just, like, <laughs> looking at how consumers – and I don't think groceries are as, like, brand-focused now. Yeah. 
that like it used to be everyone wanted Lucky Charms. Yeah. Like that was it. You wanted the box that said Lucky Charms mm-hmm. as a kid, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. And so it was like kind of like looking at the behavior of like why and like it's all the same. Like yeah. it's just cereal kind of. So I, it was really interesting that, you know, I I really liked my major. So that's kind of how I like got into that. Into just kind of like, scene. yeah, like understanding consumers, like all of that. And like, I don't know, I wanted to be in fashion. I thought it was like, you know. <laughs> Okay, so how long were you in that that second fashion job? Um, I was there. So I worked at a company called Chloe and Reese for probably like a year and a half. And then I went to a brand called Addison. Mm-hmm. And I was at Addison for three years. And then I ended up going to the showroom that repped us. And that's kind of when I transitioned out to do Y7. Got it. So while you were at this last fashion job mm-hmm. was that when you had that pinched nerve or when was it that, that you was when I was still Canada? that's when I was still at Addison so that was 2012 mm-hmm. um and I like didn't do anything for like a year I kind of just like sat on the couch because I couldn't really do anything yeah. and yoga was like it was like yoga and Pilates were the only things that I could do to move yeah. my body otherwise it was just like best of luck yeah and I couldn't tell like having a pinched nerve is so funny because you can't tell if it's How like did that even happen I don't honestly. I have no idea. I think I just have like a bad spine, and I'm flat-footed, and <laughs> I don't pay attention, and I don't stretch enough, and whatever, um, which is very opposite of how I am now. Like so, yeah. but it's probably my own fault. Um, but so what happened was is that it, it's so hard when you have a pinched nerve because it's hard to distinguish between like a good pain and a bad pain like you're in like you know your muscles are working they're really sore like you know you're getting stronger kind of pain or like ouch ouch stop right so really it took me a long time to get back into sort of like you know doing any sort of treadmill stuff or any sort of cardio so I was really really trying a lot of yoga studios it was the only thing I could do and I was just really for lack of a better phrase I was just bored out of my mind yeah and it was so painful for me to go to these classes that I was just like, I'm so bored. I don't know what I'm getting out of here. Like, I don't know what they're talking about. Like, I In don't, yoga classes? Yeah. Okay. I just – I didn't like it. It wasn't enjoyable for me. Um, so how do you go from, like, literally hating something to then thinking that you wanted to devote your entire life to this thing that you didn't like? Well, I made my own. I changed everything that I saw about what was happening in the yoga yeah. space and did it differently. And I think I just wanted to create something that was what I liked and what yeah. I really wanted to do. And that wasn't what I was getting yeah. in the city. So So then Y7 it. was born. It yeah. So how did this look like? Did you get a certification? Like how did it how did it start? I did everything back. We did everything backwards. So no. <laughs> to answer, so, question, to answer your question, no. no. Um, we started Y7 in July of 2013 okay. as a pop-up. Um, we ran it for like a month. We hired teachers off Craigslist. It was supposed to be just like kind of like a little like fun thing. Like yeah. why not? And then someone asked to buy a package. So then we found an actual space and we were able to run. We just had like this tiny – you know, 350 square foot studio. Like we checked people in in the hallway. Like that was it with just like an iPad, you know? Yeah. And that was kind of it. Like we just kind of stood there. It was only but eight were you people teaching? max. No. Okay. Have you ever taught? No. 
That is too funny. So when you would train people at this like first iteration of the concept, mm-hmm. what were you looking for? Since like it didn't exist, you couldn't be like, well, I want you to be like well, AY7 instructor because no one had been. Yeah, it's just, you know, it was more so for me about like linking the breath with the movement and yeah. going at a certain pace and having the music match the breath. Okay. So it wasn't really super defined. Yeah. Yeah. It was just kind of like, this is how I this is the we want you wanted. to teach. Yeah. And can you do it? Yeah. And that was, was kind how of was the it. feedback from these instructors? Because like they didn't see anything. It like was this. a lot of really new. It was a lot of really new instructors. Yeah. Um, one of our first instructors who is now like this amazing like yoga guru. Her name's Alex. She's absolutely wonderful. Like she also had a full-time job at the time and was like, I think I want to teach yoga. And that's kind of what is the cool part is that, like, you know, everyone kind of has their own style and is kind of figuring it out. So there was no, like, playbook. And I don't think there's real – any real rule book to it. Um, So we just kind of went with what we felt was right and what I felt was really missing from the yoga offerings that I was seeing around the city. So um, I actually got certified in the fall of 2015 after I quit my job in the spring of 2015 – after we opened Flatiron. Yeah. And um, what number studio was that? Three. Okay. Yeah. It was our first, like. Which is when I met you. Yeah. Uh huh. That's yes. crazy. Yeah. It was interesting because it was kind of our first, like, Flatiron was our first, like, real operational yeah. studio because at the time, uh, the Soho studio, we were still popping up in the Monster Cycle. Um, that's the first one that I went yeah, to. Yeah, yeah. The Monster Studio. Mm-hmm. I actually never went to the first Williamsburg one. Yeah. Like I was thinking about it and I was like, I actually so don't think I did. What's so interesting about the first Williamsburg one and with um, the pop-up in Monster Cycle was that we weren't actually responsible. Like, I wasn't actually responsible for yeah. the full operational aspect of it. Which is such a you good know? first foot into the entrepreneurial Right. Business. So it was like, like, you know, Monster Cycle was already like sort of a really established like thing and yeah. they had like cleaning, showers. laundry, showers, yeah. the whole thing. So I was like, they were like, yeah, just like come in and like take care of your check-in. Like, you know, we like, they passed through the costs for us for cleaning and laundry and that was kind of it. How did that relationship even come about? So Michael and Dimitri, who are the founders of Monster Cycle, were actually our neighbors in Williamsburg. Oh my God. Yeah. Oh my God. So it just kind of came out and we actually got put in the same article together. um, About outlet? uh, Well and good, I believe. Oh, amazing. Um, Just kind of about these new like concepts kind of popping up that aren't Mm -hmm. your traditional sort of workout um, things because Monster Cycle is all about uh, music videos, writing to videos. and Love Monster. Yeah. Love a good Monster Cycle. Yeah, they do a really great job. Mm -hmm. So Put J-Lo on a screen and I'll literally write And It's the same. It's kind of like the same concept, right? You're like, you're able, your mind goes somewhere else and isn't focused on how hard you're physically working. Totally. So it's kind of – it pushes – I think at least, you know, it pushes you a little yeah. bit more. So Like pretend that you're yeah. like in Ibiza where this, where this music right. is. Right, and you're like, things. I love this, and you keep like writing. So yeah. anyways – um, so there was brand alignment. Yeah. So there was a little bit of brand alignment there and just mm-hmm. kind of like, you know, the same kind of client, I yeah. think. Um, so and they yes, were cool sharing, sharing the wealth yeah, of Yeah, so – yeah, yeah. Is that um, how you say like you would say that your business kind of scaled to the next level? I think just getting into Manhattan okay. was what really helped us because Williamsburg still is a destination. Like yeah. you're really only going there. I think people are going there to eat yeah. or they live there. Yeah. You know, like I live there. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> and like we lived there. My seven is like literally in my three top studio rotations in Williamsburg because Thanks, I mean, girl. you're, if not the best one, one of the best ones in Williamsburg. Thank you. Yeah. 
But yeah, so we're, you know, Williamsburg is just a destination. Yeah, it's a destination place. So I think that, you know, no one was, I mean, very few of our clients were like, I live and work in the city, but I'm going to Williamsburg. Right. You know, it's like, okay. Yeah. No, totally. I mean, <laughs> so, I feel the same way. I just got a, an office in Tribeca because I live in Williamsburg and I wouldn't leave. And I was like, I'm missing out on so many yeah. meetings. Like, you have to be here. And yeah. You just have to. Totally. So getting into Manhattan, I think, really mm-hmm. changed the game for us. Um, and so when we opened flat, and in Williamsburg, we were in the basement at the time, and it was in a building with like a ton of office and like, there was um, a CrossFit gym also in the basement with us and a music school. So we also didn't fully operate yeah. all of that, right? Like the yeah. bathrooms were communal. So Flatiron was like our first kind of thing where we I had to figure out how to like, you know, you have to, do you know you have to like register for like trash pickup no, and like all of not. these things? Yeah. It's Actually, like a- we learned that. <laughs> At Azioni. When we yeah. moved into a new office, we we're like, what do we do with all of our boxes? We yeah, you're know. like, wait, what? And like, if they're not, if like, you don't, ha- you have to have like yeah. your own like sticker that's like certified. I, t- I don't There's a lot, very, of, a lot of hurdles. a lot of like laws. Yeah. Um. So how do you learn all of these on the fly? Because I mean, you didn't you have get, any traditional business background. Yeah, but you like get in trouble and you're like, oh, shit. Okay. okay. You get like a notice and you're like, well. Yeah. Um. All right, then. So. And up until this point, you had been completely self-funded. So how do you, right? Yeah, we were self-funded up until Upper East Side. So up until number six. Wow. Okay. So you, again, you did not have any traditional business background. How, how does one even like take that first step into finding a location? How do you like know that that area is going to attract a certain crowd? Like, is it all gut instinct or like, did any, was anyone mentoring you? Like, how do you, how did you even know what to do? I don't know. You have, you I have remember. no, I have no good answer to this because it was si- kind of like, you know, Monster Cycle was just like already there, yeah. so that made sense for us. Yeah. And then looking into flat, I mean, Flatiron's Flatiron. Yeah. I mean, it's kind of the center of everything. Yeah. Right now, especially with fitness, so that was just like easy. But like, I guess my question is because like at some point in this whole trajectory, you quit your job and we're we're doing this full time. So like, I just like I wonder like. With the monster setup, you're like 100% like fine. Like everything is pretty mm-hmm. much taken care of. Mm-hmm. Like when do you decide like, okay, I want to actually take this on and bring this to as many areas as possible? Was it because you it saw was, clientele like responding? Like Yeah, it was really a lot of like demand. Yeah. It was a lot of demand and looking at where um, people were going for workouts. Fitting room was still down there um, at like right next to Flatiron. Tone mm-hmm. House was right there. Um, two soul cycles. Like there was just a lot going on in Flatiron, which yeah. was kind of what prompted the decision um, for Flatiron. And just like looking at the real estate too of what we could afford. So we got, you know, the space in Flatiron. We got to have a really great location and yeah. a really great rent. Yes, it's on a fourth floor walk up, which is probably why. But um, you just have to kind of look around. And a lot of that stuff is just by like calling or, um, you know, there's – I mean, I think you have to have a broker access this, but LoopNet. What's that? It's like a commercial real estate thing. Oh, cool. Site. It's like street easy. Got it. But for commercial. Interesting. Yeah, but it's also just kind of like looking around like, you know, when you see the, like for lease, like you take a picture of it, you call the. I've done that so many times. Yeah, you call the, you call the number. And you're like, hey there. It's um, so Yeah, so when we, and when we really started to expand is when um, we, we're looking to have our own space in Soho. And the broker who showed me that has gotten all of our spaces since How in New York. How were you connected with him through this loop thing? No, just like... Friend of a friend. Yeah. Just Amazing. Like, yeah. 
So cool. Knowing that the space came up and like looking for spaces around Soho. And so we got connected yeah. to Jeremy and Jeremy has gotten us 430 Broom and everything since then. So Upper East Side, Union Square. Yeah. That's amazing. So, yeah. So with this scale, I, I'm curious to know like, do you still find relief in yoga? Like now that it's your business and that you, it's how you keep the lights on in your home and it is like literally your livelihood. Do you go into a yoga class like honestly and feel relieved? Yes. Okay. And walk me through if it's been like that this entire time. It wasn't always. I think, you know, after we got funding, mm-hmm. um, we're able to build a team. Before it was kind of like myself and Mason, who's yeah. my husband and co-founder. Um, Which we're going to come back to because that is a whole other I know, topic you that love we this. Need to, I, I need know. to talk to you about this. I know. <laughs> Everyone loves that. Um, but – yeah, it was just us doing everything. So it yeah. was us giving feedback, us, you know what I mean? So it was yeah. a lot of too much of the same thing. Yeah. Um, and kind of a little bit too much involvement. Yeah. I would say where like it lost a little bit of its joy for me because I was always like, am I going a lot of the time I was going in to give feedback, yeah. right? And that's not like something You're I really want to do. Like, look for mistakes <clears throat> and look for where you can not be better. Improvements. Yeah. That's a better yeah. way to say it. Not necessarily mistakes, but is it a consistent experience throughout? That's kind of the biggest thing. You know, it's never like, I don't really think any of our instructors ever does anything wrong in terms of yoga. It's just, is it a consistent Y7 experience? Because that's what we're offering, right? We're a brand, we're an experience. um, You're going to get the same thing packing at Williamsburg. Right. And it's the consistency that we're really looking for. You know, there's so many amazing studios that do you know different types of yoga and things like that like if you want something um you know a little bit more restorative yeah. or you know something a little more structured there's ashtanga there's bikram there's all of these other um you know types of yoga that you can do and we just really want to focus on what we can present at yeah. y7 so it's really the consistency factor it's not like a mistake or like i'm kind of like picking on someone because they're doing something wrong it's just making sure that like when a client cl- comes to Y7, they know exactly what they're getting. They know what they're paying for. And they know that they can count on a certain feeling during and after class. And totally. that's what I really want to deliver. I want to be able to be a really consistent pillar within people's lives. Got it. there's so much that's like hectic and going on that I want to be able to be that sort of consistent relief for people. Back to the little snippet that you gave us. Um, Mason, Sarah's husband, was her co-founder. Yes. And he is no longer with Y7. Correct. But I am very interested to know what that beginning phase was like, what his role was. And like, I know I, Sarah just like to start off with it. She does not recommend this for anyone. No, I don't recommend this for anyone. I think it's crazy. I, it's definitely crazy. Like, and if you think about it, just like across the board, I think any, anyone would tell you that combining both of those things things is like probably a terrible idea. But there has to be also like a very important part to it. That's the trust. Like, Yeah. And I think that's like... And the day-to-day stuff is really, really difficult, right? Yeah. Because I, at least with me, like when I would come home from work and I had a really bad day and I'd complain about like, you know, nothing important. Yeah. It's just like me bitching because I'm like frustrated or whatever. Yeah. It was always, oh, they're the worst. Here's a glass of wine. You're right. And I was like, thank you. <laughs> <laughs> you know, it's like that yeah, sense yeah, of yeah. like just reassurance and knowing that someone yeah. was there to have your back. And when you work with somebody and you're responsible 
for the business and the success and the livelihood of the business. It's like, if I come home and I like complain about something, that's not really a big deal. It's just me kind of venting. It became a, well, why'd that happen? What'd you do? Or a sense of like trying to fix it when sometimes like situations just need to run their course or you're just complaining to vent. Like that's at least how I think, that's how I am. Like, I I don't know. Sometimes I just complain to like complaining because I need to, you know. But yeah, and it's also the relationship that you had known for however many years you guys had before. Right. So then I became this kind of like little bit of a basket case where like I didn't want to tell him if something was like wrong because I didn't want him to like freak out or like, you know, be emailing someone at 11 p.m. at night. Mm -hmm. Like that's just – I didn't want that. And so I think that was really difficult because we work in such different ways. Yeah. Um, What is his style of work and what's yours? If you I'm to, like, I'm it. very like hands off. Like I, I immediately trust people. Yeah, and will continue to do so unless they give me a reason not to. Yeah. So, I, and I probably should be a little bit more hands on, but you know, for me, I'm very. I disagree. I, rec- I think that that honestly, that's not talked about enough, and I think that that is why you're so successful. Like being able to delegate is the key to scaling. I also know that I'm not good at everything. Yeah, and I don't want to do the things that I'm not good at. Yeah, and I just like I know that there's someone who like I'm hiring these people. Yeah. To do those things, why would I do them? Yeah, I don't want to do them. Yeah, so or I'll- I'm not good at doing that. And he is very, very has a tendency, not always, but has a tendency to micromanage a little bit. Um, And we just like clashed with that. And it became sort of this like really like awkward like mom and dad vibe between our team. And it just wasn't working. It wasn't working for us at home. Like it wasn't working for us like at the office. Like it was just a lot. Um, but would you say that the beginning phase of Y7, it was, he was crucial to it? Like, absolutely. Oh my gosh. Absolutely. That's what I, like, I, like, I feel like the message is like, it's, it's nice because at the end of the day, like for the bigger things and the bigger issues, yeah. like I always knew he like had my back. Right. Yeah. Like, and I always knew like it's a different dynamic when it's your like person because yeah. you're able to like say things you probably couldn't say to like an actual business partner. Right. Because you go home together and you're like, sorry. Yeah. You're like, love you. I'm sorry. (laughs) I was crazy. You're like, I'm sorry. Yelled at you and like got reactive. And like, that's not always something you can say to somebody Mm -hmm. who you're just at the office with and you don't go home. Does that make sense? Like, you know, at the end of the day, we're like going home together. So it's like, I have to see them and like talk about it. It's not like I can like wait or like talk to somebody else about it. It's like, it was just him and I. So it, as difficult and challenging as it is just in terms of how much time you're spending together yeah. and how you really have to, you know, be conscious of how you're managing people and how you're reacting to things. It was also really great in the beginning because we really are like one team. Like exactly. we were and we still are. Like we want the same thing for yeah. the company, right? We have the exact same objectives, which I think is – you hear a lot of people who kind of get like business partner <laughs> divorces yeah. Yeah. because – you know, sometimes you're not always exactly aligned on what you want for yourself and what you want for the company. And we were always very aligned on that, which was great. Yeah. And I think super vital to the success of the company. probably also a big reason why you guys made it out the other end and you're totally cool now. Yeah. You had the same, you probably have the same mission in life in general Mm -hmm. and have the same mission for Y7. Yeah. So how was the transition of getting him kind of like 
not removed because he's definitely still involved with yeah, Lexa, but like still, what was the yeah, transition? Yeah, he still has a board seat. He's still like very involved if we like What was the conversation him. like even in the beginning? It was – You guys both knew it was coming, I'm assuming. It was just a lot. Yeah. It was getting to a point where I don't think either of us were happy. Yeah. Um, Did you address it like that? Like was it one conversation where you were like this – I. It was kind of a buildup. Okay. Um, but, you know, he had, like, kind of, like, before he, like, fully transitioned out, like, started, like, another company on the mm-hmm. side and, like, that didn't work out. And it just kind of, like, I knew his, like, heart wasn't in it yeah. day to day. And I think he knew the same thing. Um, you know, he still, like, obviously loves the company and yeah. wants it to succeed. But I think what's really interesting about Mace is that he is – He's a hundred percent a serial entrepreneur. Amazing, no question. Like that's a very good person to have in the beginning. Yeah, of right. Company. Like I'm not mad about it, <laughs> but it, he loves to like build things and start things, and and he knows like the systems and processes that need to. Happen. Yeah, he just like loves that. I think yeah. he gets a lot. Do you feel like of you know that too? Like me personally, system? yeah. Like, do you feel like you have that same? No. Okay. No. I mean, I I really believe in this. Yeah. Like, this is like I'm not going anywhere yeah for a while <laughs> so i love that. you know when we talk about expanding and like how you know as we kind of build the team and what role i want to have like i i'm still like very very day-to-day and i love it like i love going to the office yeah. like I, I i love it i love my team probably a little yeah. too much no i love your team outings like i live for them on instagram if We're anyone's obsessed not with following other. sarah you guys have to follow her because the team outings like, um sarah's weird man she gets weird with her team i'm fucking weird as shit <laughs> it's so uncomfortable i'm really sorry i'm very no, I die. now i'm sweating even you, more no we have paper towels <laughs> by the way the ones that you post that you're like, why am I like this? I, I don't die. know. Nobody knows. <laughs> I can't. I, I would ask my parents, but I'm afraid of their answer. So um, so that actually brings me to my next question, which is similar to what you're talking yeah. about. Like when you started scaling, mm-hmm. it's like the whole point of this podcast is to help people that like don't know what their passion is. And like it's it's a fine line of like finding the thing that you love and doing that as a career because a lot of the times that you can kind of like lose that passion because right. you're trying to like totally rent from, from it so you clearly are still very much in the passion you don't want to let go of the things that make you happy how do you find that that like line of being able to delegate while also still being able to do the thing that you love which is build this you know yeah i it's it's kind of – I think it's different for everybody. Mm-hmm. Like I – you know, you can say all the things. I'm like, you know, if you love what you do, you'll never work a day yeah, in your life so and all like, this really, stuff. And like it, it it should because yeah. like that is such – I and I think if people have that, like good for you. Yeah. But I think that's a very lofty and unrealistic goal. Like there's some days I want to like not get out of bed and hide under my covers and yeah. not talk to a single person. Yeah. Um, I'm like the queen of do not disturb on my phone. Amazing. Like – I am on do not disturb all the time. <laughs> am sometimes I, I just no, like sometimes I just need a minute to like not that's fine, you know, to like kind yeah. of shut off. Yeah, but I really, really, and I think I really believe in like you have to have those really bad moments yeah. to have the really, really good ones. Okay. Um, it's a hard it's so it's such a hard thing for me to answer because you know I think you can do something where like you are working for somebody else and you're passionate about like their mission and you want to help them on their mission yeah. and I think you can have your own I don't think you have I don't to start think your own thing. right I don't think it's one path for anybody yeah. and I think 
you can, I think everyone should try it if they want to. And, you know, if you fail, it doesn't mean anything. It's just like, you know, everybody fails at stuff. So it's always a, you always have to take a learning from everything you do. And I think that is what helps you find what you're passionate about. And, you know, I think how for do you me, practice that? Like every or whenever you it have took, like some sort of failure, like how do you like what's like a very specific way that someone that's listening can like take that and do it for themselves? I think you have to like sit down and understand what you learned from it. Yeah. And be like, okay, this happened. Like what like really look at it and don't take it personally. I think that's the thing that I did a lot in the beginning that really sort of hindered my growth as a leader and as a manager. Yeah. And as someone who can kind of see the pictures that or the bigger pictures that I was looking at something that was so small yeah. that I couldn't see the rest of it. Yeah. And you know when and I would also say like understand that when you are doing something and if you take on funding right away like there are numbers you're going to have to hit. Yeah. And you might have to change the vision yeah. or the product or, or the offering role. or your role or whatever it is. Yeah to continue on this path and you might have to come to terms with the fact that like what your product or your business or whatever isn't what you wanted it to be and you might have to leave yeah. if you don't feel good about it. So I think the nice thing about what we did is kind of not having funding for so long is that yeah. we really had proof of concept and our, you know, our private equity partners have been amazing in the fact that like they know what we do works yeah. and they want to support that. They're only here. To, they're really like there to help us make smarter like decisions on real estate and like yeah you know choices on how we're running the business and stuff like that but they're never going to want to change my core product and my core offering yeah. um you know what we- was the decision to like take them on because i'm sure that you were probably approached by several different yeah so <laughs> this was really a serendipitous kind of thing so one of our instructors mm-hmm. um when we were opening upper east side she's like hey like we opened three studios this year. Like, it seems like a lot. And like, I don't know if you guys are interested, but my boyfriend works at a private equity firm. He takes my class all the time. Like, would you want an intro? Um, yes. We said yes. <laughs> we went with them. It is now her husband. Oh, my God. Um, yeah. Amazing. So Is she still with you? Yep. Oh, my God. Yep. She still amazing. teaches. Um, Courtney Kay on hey. the Upper East Side, everybody. <laughs> teaches a fire 6 a.m. Gotta go. Um, oh, 6 a.m. That's my dream. Yeah. <laughs> She teaches a fire at 6 a.m. Um, but that was really how it happened. And I feel really lucky because, you know, the whole – all, you know, everyone on that team at Carp Riley really gets what we do. Yeah. And have been, like, really supportive of us as a brand and, you know, just continuing to have that consistency as opposed to people being like, well, you know, if – Weights are really in right now. So if we added a class with weights or we added a beginner class or we did this, maybe we could make more money. And that's just not like – Yeah. But like, that's not what you, I want to do. Yeah. How did you How did you get that vibe from them from that first meeting? Because like I feel like – I mean, I don't know how many other meetings like that you had taken. We didn't. So, I mean, how – did you have like a gut instinct that these people weren't like that? Like It how- was – well, it was really based off kind of, you know, our conversations. The whole process in fundraising takes – Quite some time, obviously, you know, there's a lot of due diligence and finances and a lot of that. But all of our meetings, it was very, like, clear that, like, these are the things, like, you know, when Mason and I were in these meetings, it was like, this is what our business is. Like, this is the core of our business. Mm -hmm. That cannot change. And, like, if 
other people are on board with that because they want to make it more me. I don't know, more whatever, yeah. you know, whatever business you're yeah. in, if they want to, you know, especially with the biggest thing I can liken it to is like products. Yeah. Like, you know, oh, like, you know, say there's a successful like beverage company and there's, you know, three things they do, but then, you know, they get money and they expand to 20 products. It's like, well, how can you yeah, talk about amazing. what yeah. you really yeah. know and believe in yeah. before so expanding those- into all of these? So for me, it was like, I want people to understand like what Y7 is as a brand, what we stand for, mm-hmm. the WeFlow hard format, the consistency. This is what it is. Mm-hmm. And since then, we've been able to expand into teacher training, into workshops, into retreats, mm-hmm. and have all these other offerings because people already understand what Y7 is. Right. And you stuck to those like right. pillars and then it expanded exactly. elsewhere, but not in the actual product. Right. And I think that's that was the most important thing for me is that like our core product and experience was never going to be in jeopardy. Amazing. And that was the one thing. I was like, listen, I'm all for like, you know, who doesn't like money? Everyone likes yeah, money yeah, and yeah. wants to be successful. Great. Yeah. But we have to keep the core product and under and be able to message that core product yeah. and what that is. When you took them on or they took you on, I don't know how you would explain it, but when you guys partnered, um, how did you even know how to have those conversations? Like how – I'm asking because like, I mean, I don't know, one day if I'm ever in that meeting, like I have no training in that. Like did you have a business coach? Like was Mason kind of like – Mason really took the lead on that. Um, That's a little bit more of like his world and understanding. Yeah. and then, you know, you hire a lawyer. You look at the contract. Yeah. You – that's what we did. Like, yeah. you know, your lawyer looks at, like, what is fair for you to give up on your company, what the rights are yeah. of the founders and what our roles are going to be and making sure that all of that's covered. And yeah. it's really just laying out clear expectations. Yeah. So that's really what it is. It's like an expectation meeting. Amazing. I would say. And you feel so. comfortable with how that whole thing mm-hmm. played out. Yep. Amazing. Yep. So I want to talk about social media. Sure. Because – Um, I've heard you say this a bunch, and I've obviously seen this firsthand, but Y7 is a hugely successful company, a lot of it based off of social media. Um, In the beginning of when you launched, did Mm -hmm. Y7 look like it looks like today? Were you doing the social? How did you kind of grow that medium? It looks exactly the same. Yeah. Um, It's a little bit more refined and strategic. Mm -hmm. Um, A little more thought goes into, you know, what we're posting or, you know, just like spreading out imagery a little bit, but it was always black and white. Um, and it's kind of always remained the same. Uh, again, it for, I think the most, I think the most important thing that Mason and I both had experience with when we were starting this was branding. Um, what did Mason do before? So he was in digital advertising. Mm. So he, (laughs) so he really understood, you know, things from like that sort of analytical end where for me, like my whole job was being the go-between between between designers and stores. So it was my job to take the collection that these designers had created and make it digestible and make sense for these different specialty stores and their consumer, right? Like a consumer in Georgia is going to be different from a consumer in Chicago. So how can I take the same collection and sell it and make it work for each different client? So in that way, we both had a really nice understanding of brand and what brand alignment should look like. Um, And I think that is that had a lot to do with the consistency and what people can expect and why why do people go back to brands? 
it's a feeling that they can count on, mm-hmm. I think, at the end of the day. Yeah. You know, when you're talking about clothes, it's a fit. It's a way you look. It's the way it's styled. Yeah. Um, I think a really great example of that is um, Love Shack Fancy. Oh, my God, yes. They do so – I mean – it's she does such an incredible job of just making this beautiful, ethereal, really feminine and girly but cool vibe. And that's yeah. like when I look at that brand, I'm like, oh, that's me at a gar- at like an outdoor wedding yeah. in the summer. Exactly. And you get this like feeling, you, you know, it in- yourself in it and right. feel what it it's like. It invokes to be. a feeling. And yeah. I think that is really and it's consistent. Yeah. Right. So when you're looking at something like fashion, that's really important. SoulCycle has done an incredible job of that yeah. in terms of fitness. So has Barry's Bootcamp. Like yeah. people want something that they can rely on and they know they're getting a sweat, a workout, yeah. and they know how they're going to feel after. Yeah. Is that actually something that you looked at when you were starting? Because that consistency obviously is like a mm-hmm. main pillar of yeah. seven. It, were you looking at the Soul Cycles and the Berries of the World? Because at the time they had launched, right? Yeah. They had both launched at the time and they were both well into um, kind of maturity. They, I think, were both probably around like five or six years old when we okay. started. But oh, wow. um For me, it was – I saw that was missing in the yoga market because Mm -hmm. what really kind of frustrated me as a yoga consumer was that I, you know, as a young, like, you know, we started Y7 and I was 26. So I didn't make that much money. Yeah. And for me, it was like my time and my money I was spending at these places. And I go to a class on like Tuesday at 7 p.m. I'm like, yes, this is my girl. Yeah. I'd go back next Tuesday. I was a different person at a different class. And I was like, this is not what I wanted. This is not what I signed up for. Like, I wanted to build on my practice, right? Like, I wanted to get stronger. And I think you only do that. You can ask any sort of fitness person. Like, you do that with consistency. It's the only way. Like, it doesn't matter if you work out, like, once a week and you go really, really, really fucking hard. Yeah. doesn't matter. That doesn't do anything. You have to. It's the same with everything. It's having this consistent practice and rituals of, like, you know, I'm working this part of my body, I'm doing this. Yeah. And I think that is so important. And that is what, you know, I found was really lacking in sort of the style of yoga that I wanted to practice. Um, and I really wanted something to like count on and, yeah. you know, be excited to go to because I know that like in an hour I'm going to like feel like this. And, yeah. you know, I don't know. And I feel like you guys do a really good job of it not being like super trainer heavy. Like I obviously have done Y7 for so many years now that I, I know like the top trainers or not the top, but like the people that are kind of training the other trainers mm-hmm. in Y7. So I'm probably like very well versed in Y7. But I would say that the majority of anyone that's going doesn't really go to trainer specific class. Right. How do you kind of control that in a time where most people that are coming into the fitness space on a trainer level are trying to build their own brands? It's that's kind of a loaded question for me because we're we're very client focused. Yeah. And with yoga, I think it's important to recognize that everyone's body is different. Everyone's level is different. Mm-hmm. And, you know, I'm going to look different in a pose than you are. Yeah. Right? So you can't really look at a yoga instructor and just automatically look at that person and be like, that's what I know I'm going to look like. Yeah. Right? Yeah. Because the poses are so dynamic and they're so different and just everyone's body is different. So it's not like, you know, you're going to get like – you know, you do these like 100 reps of like curls and you're going to have the same biceps as the instructor, right? Like it doesn't really work like that. Yeah. What I really wanted to do is make it about the client. Yeah. It's a reason that even though I can teach, I don't really do it because it's not about me. I don't want anyone coming to Y7 for me. Yeah. Ever. 
I want people coming for themselves. I want people coming to Y7 because they want to do something good for themselves. Yeah. And how do you find talent that's down to come in for that model? When like a lot of these people are like also trying to like grow their Instagram game or or create like some sort of influence in the fitness market because now and I I know Y7 doesn't do this but a lot of tr- a lot of studios are now only hiring instructors that have over 10,000 followers because they can fill classes. Like, yeah, really? Yeah. I didn't know that. Yeah. A lot um, of them, like, I, I know that there's, I mean, I'm not going to say studios, but that they pay certain instructors way more for a higher follower count because. Yeah. I don't, I don't, for me, I, I don't know. It's just not something that I, I think if that works for the studio or the trainer or that kind of client, I think that's totally yeah. fine. But I think, again, I want people coming for themselves. Yeah not for somebody else because at the end of the day like you're the person who's going who has to make the best choices for you and like you know we're a lot when we hire we hire every month um but we're also very big big on feedback Mm -hmm. and that can be a big it's kind of an ego check for people and it's not the feedback we give is never like you know you're a good or a bad yoga instructor it's It's all like Y7 oriented feedback. Yeah. It's all about like the volume and the timing of the music or yeah. how we're sequencing so that, you know, when you're in sort of a flow class like we do, there are some poses yeah. you just can't link together because yeah. you're changing the base of your feet. Yeah. So how are you supposed to do that yeah, in yeah, a yeah. flow class if you're totally. not like really breaking down the position? Yeah. So it's very specific to like the actual Yeah, it's really specific class. to our experience, yeah. right? Like from, con- you know, regulating the temperature to, like, how to yeah. do the fans correctly. It's, yeah. like, there's a whole thing. So I I don't know. It, I think you have to want to be able to teach in that capacity. Yeah. And and if you don't want to teach in that capacity, I think that's fine, too. Totally. I, I, you know, I have – we have a lot of instructors who, um, you know, lead retreats and I think a way for – you know, our instructors to get a little bit more involved and things that they're really passionate about is like workshops. So we do a lot of workshops where we actually have a wonderful teacher. Her name's Michelle Martini. And she is like this beautiful mystical creature. And she does a lot of like, um, a lot of like chakra stuff. She does this um, class called, or this workshop called Brain Boost, where it's a lot of like healing energy and stuff like that. Like she, so that for her, like, you know, I'm happy to be able to like offer her that space yeah. to do that so she can bring a little bit more of her personal passion into to our Y7 clients yeah. as well. But, you know, the core of what we do is never going to change. Yeah. But we do have like all these other things. You know, we have our Vibe Higher program, which is like our health coaching program. So there are opportunities for our Broken. instructors yeah. to do things that aren't just a WeFlow hard class. Yeah. But, you know, I think when you decide you want to teach at Y7 and not somewhere you want to teach yeah. like this is kind of what it is yeah you know we're very clear and transparent about that up front and then you know when the time comes if people find that they want to do something else and they're you know yeah. they want to build their own thing then like we will support them in that and yeah. sometimes you know it may not be you know you may not work at Y7 forever and like right, that's right. okay totally. and we've had teachers leave and come back and like I think it's all like a personal journey of where you want to take yeah. your you know, as a fitness professional where you kind of want to take your own personal brand. Yeah. Um, well, I also want to thank you personally because why <laughs> my boyfriend had never done yoga in his life. And I was like, come with me to this Y7 class. Like, it's dark. You're not – no one's going to be looking at you. Like, it's totally fine. And he tried it, loved it, 
convinced his roommate to do it. Like, and it's kind of spiraled into all of our guys kind of trying yoga for the first time. Oh, I love that. And it's just, like, helped them. Like, they're all such macho guys that, like, work out and they lift and they do all these manly things. But they need this also to kind of help their life. And my boyfriend and my boyfriend's friends are not alone in that guys go to Y7. So how did you start that, like, movement? I think it's exactly what you said. It's dark. There's no, you know, a lot of times when I talk to any guy I talk to, it's like, oh, like, yeah, I've heard of it, but I've never been. I'm just like, I'm not flexible. I'm like, okay, well, just so you know that, like, no one really goes into it flexible, right? It's a product of the practice. Yeah. You get flexible. You, you know, gain those things that you think of as, like, yogic by going consistently. Yeah. And I think, you know, for anyone, I think for runners, for crossfitters, whatever, lifters, I don't know what you call yourselves. It's like if you want to continue to do those things, you have to do yoga. Like you have to have like that. You have to. You just have to. Yeah. And I think also just like from a mindset level, like it's very hard to convince a guy that's never been in the health and wellness space at all to meditate or do any Mm -hmm. of those things that kind of get you in that mind space. Yeah. this was like the best gateway for, yeah, for it's them like to a start. Little, now he's meditating. Like it's like a whole it's, thing. I, you know? It's so funny because we always talk about that like internally how like Y7 is kind of like the gateway to like Honest. this me- <laughs> yoga, like mental health, like yeah. yoga meditation world because yeah. it's very digestible. It I, is. One of the things that I felt really sort of isolated in when I was first starting to practice was a lot of teachers would speak only in Sanskrit and only talk about like things that you wouldn't necessarily know unless yeah. you have like studied yoga. They yeah. were talking about the yamas, the niyamas, all these different it's parts so of true. yoga. And you're like, and I was like, oh, uh, I don't, I don't know enough to be here. Like I'm not good enough. I'm not well versed enough. I'm not ready. And I think that's such a shame because I think I really believe that yoga is for everyone. And I think it, you know, can benefit any type of person. And I think having, you know, those certain barriers to the practice is really hindering. So, and I think that's great that, I mean, there's so much yogic philosophy and I think it's really wonderful to like dive into all those things. But for someone who doesn't know and is just starting, it can really be isolating. So yeah, it's been really, it's been really fun, I think, to watch like a lot of our students like start with us and like after like a year, like bring their boyfriends or like start dabbling into like meditation or like going on a yoga retreat alone or like doing all these other things next really exploring all that yoga has to offer and not just you know the physical part of it but the mental part so so would you say that that is your active ingredient like what would you and like when I ask this question like a lot of people need like a little bit more massaging as to what I mean by it but when you break everything down aside from having this incredibly successful business this incredible team, like what is your active ingredient? That's the reason why you open a new studio. That's the reason that you're hiring. Like what is it about Y7 that that gets you up every morning and excited? It It's really being able to spread the message of yoga, I think, and mindfulness. To me, it's like building a space that's accessible and inclusive and really has broken down all those barriers yeah. that people have kind of built in their minds about the practice, right? Like if you... I think a lot of people have in their minds, they think of yoga and they just think of like a tall, skinny white woman. Yeah. In like a beautifully lit space. Yeah. And who can like put her foot in her, right. Like grab her foot and from that's, behind. And, and, you know, that's a lot of imagery that I think has been presented to people, you know, just mm-hmm. because, but that's, that's not necessarily what yoga is. It's yeah. for everybody. If you have a body, you, and the physical practice is only one part. 
right. of yoga, yeah. right? It's one part. And there are so many other benefits, like why – and it doesn't need to look like one yeah. thing. It shouldn't look like one thing. It should look like nothing and everything at the same time, which is like why we have no mirrors, why it's yeah. dark, because it's it, it can be whatever you want it to be. Yeah. And as long as you have your breath and you're moving, like you're already doing it. Exactly. And I think that's, you know, what's really important to me and exciting about being able to kind of open these doors to a lot of people who have kind of like just crossed yoga off their list of things that are for them, right? Totally. So cool. Well, I love that that's your active ingredient. Thank you. I listened to you on um, Shanae Alexander's podcast, which is a very fun one. I really like it. I love it. Um, You openly talked about your anxiety. Uh-huh. which I also have definitely dealt with some sort of symptoms of anxiety. And like, that's why yeah. I got into yoga in my junior year of college. Um, would you say that the tools that you learned in your first yoga classes when you had that pinched nerve are tools that you still carry with you today? Do you feel like you don't have that level of anxiety anymore? I, yes. So it took me a while. Mm-hmm. Like yoga is not like, I think if it can be like a quick fix for you, yeah. great good for you. Yeah. It took me years to get over how anxious I was yeah. and feeling the need to like I used to like sit in situations that had already happened. Yeah. And like just mull over how things could have been different and I would get like be so worked up about those like I would start thinking about like well what could happen if it happens again? Like what do I do this time and trying to control every aspect and being thrown into, you know, a business. I'm very much like an accidental entrepreneur. This is not something I'd ever seen or planned for myself. And, you know, not being able to predict what will happen, it kind of forces you to confront that fear and having the practice of like yoga and like the breath and understanding that, you know, this is just like the most real life application of when you're in a really difficult pose, like you're not going to be there forever right? It's the same thing in life. Like everything is constantly changing Mm -hmm. and you're never going to be in something forever. And knowing that it will pass and whatever you're anxious about, like whether it's something that is like five minutes from now or like five days from now, like you worrying about it isn't going to do anything. it's like you're praying. The moment, right. The moment is going to come whether you are ready for it or not. Right. So it's a waste of time to worry. It's going to come and it's going to go. Yeah. But right, your breath like, is with you throughout the entire right. thing. So, but it's you're like there. It. You have to be there. You yeah. have to breathe, and know that like everything is temporary. And if it's something that makes you uncomfortable, like you're gonna have to be uncomfortable. And you're gonna but go through it. And, and you're gonna, gonna go through it. Done. But it's not gonna be forever. Yeah, totally. And so, that's like the real. That's like I think the thing that I've gotten the most out of my practice is that like everything's temporary. Yeah. How often do you practice? Well. For anyone who's been watching me on Instagram, I just got my eyebrows microbladed, so I'm not allowed to sweat. She's looking fucking hot. My eyebrows look great. <laughs> my no, VP really of finance, my I'm VP of finance, this. calls them event eyebrows because it looks like I got my makeup done. Stop. Or like my eyebrows are done ready. all the time, um, but usually like two, three times a week. Okay. Um, Do you sprinkle in anything else, or is it just yoga? I love Beachbody on demand. Ooh, <laughs> which one? Such a dork. Twenty-one day fix. Wait, you know she's my client. On what? Calories? Yeah. So <laughs> yeah, I love That's I love amazing. a good I love a good Beachbody. Mm. It's quick. It's efficient. You amazing. know, can do it at home on the go. I love it. So what? 
what's next for Y7? Are we looking at new locations? We are looking at a ton of new locations, new cities. Um, we will have Chicago in the fall, which I, feel I like am you've been that one for a while. so excited about. Um, I am from the Midwest, so it's like a little going home for me. Amazing. Like my sister lives there. Oh my God. So I'm just so, so excited about that. And, you know, um, more locations in LA. We're still looking to expand in New York, more East Coast stuff. So, are you ever coming to Miami? And is weather a big, like, piece of the puzzle? So, yes. To Miami? <laughs> yes, to weather is a big piece of the puzzle. <laughs> because we're in the middle Miami. of a heat wave. You know exactly what's happening right now. No, Everyone's I like, know. no, thank you, air conditioning. Yeah. So, one day. Okay. One day. All right. So I always close out the interview with asking what is your literal active ingredient? Is it water? Is it matcha, coffee? Like what is something that you have to have every single day to get going? Coffee. Right. 100%. Coffee and water. It? Black, girl. What? Hot or iced? I mean, it depends on the season right now. Iced. Oh, okay. No, my boyfriend still has it hot like today. And this you know, weekend. I know a lot of people who do that and I think it's like so funny. No, like, it's literally it, I like take a sip and I'm like sweating. <laughs> no, I don't As soon as I take a sip. Yeah, depends on the season. I love the switch because I love hot coffee. I also love iced coffee. So amazing. You know, so coffee is what keeps Sarah going. Coffee. Amazing. All right. Well, thanks for being on the podcast. Thank Where you can for everyone follow you? Me. Um, you can follow Y7 at Y7 Studio on Instagram, and you can follow me if you so choose at Sarah <laughs> underscore Ayako A Y A K O. Um, I'm kind of funny, I think. No, she's the shit. You guys follow her. <laughs> Really embarrassing. (laughs) Thank you guys so much for listening. Please take a second to rate and review us. And for more inspiration and quotes from the episode, check us out on Instagram at Active Ingredient. See you guys next time.